0: This Breaking Views podcast is sponsored by Refinitiv. The views expressed on this
1: podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Ed Stack has spent more than 40 years building his family business, Dick's Sporting Goods, into America's biggest specialist sports retailer. But he put a lot of that at risk last year when he took a very public stand against gun violence, just days after the horrific Harkland School shooting in Florida. I talked to Ed recently in New York about what effect that has had on his business. Along the way, we also talked about what he thinks of smart guns and what effect tariffs on Chinese products might be having on Dick's and on other retail businesses. You discover at some point that the the gunman, Nicholas Cruz, had at some point in the past bought a firearm from the branch of Dick's. Um, Now, this is a pretty sensational thing uh, to to come out with for your employees, for your suppliers, for your customers. Everyone's gonna have strong views about this. So, and was that not just from customers? Obviously there were lots of um, you know gun safety groups uh, who were clearly very happy about this. Anyone who's connected with any of the shootings that have happened in America in recent years. But were you also finding that you were getting support from employees, from shareholders, from suppliers even?
0: So the, we didn't hear much from shareholders at the time, but from the, the vast majority of our employees, a number of people that we did business with, the gun advocacy groups, um, but the vast majority of it was from just everyday people. I remember one woman who sent an email who said she was listening to us on CNN and had to pull over to the side of the road because she was sobbing uncontrollably because she thought her kids were just a little bit safer in school that day. Wow. And, and we got a number of emails like that in, in, in notes, and you know people brought donuts, cakes, to, to our stores, uh, flowers, to celebrate and to say thank you for the, the decision we
1: made. Was it a difficult decision to get stakeholders that you'd spoken to before the announcement to buy into? Because there must have been a lot of um, a lot of difficult conversations that happened behind the scenes before that moment that you came out on air and said, this is what we're going to do.
0: There were a lot of conversations. They weren't really difficult conversations. We were all pretty much aligned of what we would do. So I talked with the management team on uh, our team on our Monday morning meeting, the Monday after Valentine's Day or after the, the shooting in Parkland, and kind of laid out what I thought we should do. And everyone was in agreement. We had to sit down and talk about what the financial implication would be because we have a responsibility to the street and to our shareholders to let them know what was going to happen. We then also assembled our board via a Telephone meeting and talked to the board about it, which they were very supportive and we said all right everybody think about this Let's talk about it and we'll we'll get back together again two days later We got back again two days later and talked about it with the board and the vote to do this was unanimous Yeah, so it was it was not there were not difficult Conversations we had to make sure we we communicated this in the right way to the right people
1: can I just ask? Can we define some terms a bit? Because also, as someone who's who's not from the US, sometimes the, the whole topic of gun, you know, firearms and, and gun safety is a bit alien to us. And the and the percentage of overall gun sales that runs through stores. I mean, you're the big the US the biggest uh, outdoor retail um, chain in the US or sporting goods chain in the US. Um, but the percentage of gun sales that goes through you, even before you started these trials with turning stores into gun-free zones effectively. It's quite small, right? You're a small part of the overall market. For we
0: firearms. are, so we're, we're the largest full-line sporting goods retailer in the country, but we're not the largest seller of firearms. We're probably top five, um, or, or we had been, probably in the top five, but uh, uh, of the overall firearm sales in the country, we're a relatively small percent of that.
1: Got it, and the, and the stores where you're clearing out your hunt section to put other stuff in, baseball bats and the like, mm-hmm. um, how are you? You haven't, I don't think you've specified exactly where those stores are yet. But have you, are these stores where you would have basically done this anyway, even if you, just for profit reasons? Are these stores where guns weren't a particularly hot product in the first place?
0: No, I mean, some of them were, but we always had, as part of our assortment, we've always had hunting products. So hunting products have been, uh, you know, in our business almost since the beginning. And I've been, I'm a gun owner. I've been around guns my whole life. I've I've sold them. I've done virtually everything. So I'm very comfortable around guns. But these stores are are not necessarily the ones where um, we would have done it anyway, because we had no plans to remove guns before we got into this right here. As we've started to take a look at this, we think that we can remove these guns. We've taken them out of 10 stores. So it was a very positive result. We've got another 125 that we're going to be taking out uh, by the end of August. We think there's going to be a very positive result there. And I suspect that uh, we'll be uh, we'll be taking more out in the future.
1: Uh, one, of the, one of the side effects of this um, more public alignment with some of these issues is that you have uh, received criticism from some of the trade associations and and gun rights advocacy groups. One of them was the National Shooting Sports Foundation.
0: If we take a look at, uh, in Parkland, if if legislation was enacted in the policy that we've done, which says that someone under 21 cannot buy a gun, the 19-year-old shooter at Parkland would not have been able to buy that gun. And if he got his hands on another gun, there may have been still people killed. It may not have been as many people would have lost their lives. And yet, at
1: the same time, we do still see what. More- what I guess are mass, constitute mass shootings that don't involve semi-automatics or assaults. I'm thinking of the Virginia shooting from uh, quite recently. There was two 45 caliber handguns with extended magazines. though, I guess, which is something that and silences. So you, anything in the wrong hands can become a. It can be, and I think that I I,
0: I I truly believe that we need to have legislation to help control this. And a number of people have said to me. Well, if you do what you want to do, it's not going to eliminate these shootings. And they're absolutely right. It's not going to eliminate them. But if we can curtail them and if we can put this legislation together and we save one life, in my mind, it's all worth it.
1: Have you tried any yourself? I haven't. Um, how, um, before I move on to tariffs, is one of the questions. Oh, yes. So one of the other, one of the other reforms that gets discussed and, again, seems... Not terribly close to becoming a reality is uh, the repeal of um, the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which is this uh, this piece of legislation that prevents um, lawsuits against gun makers and dealers as a result of the havoc wrought by their products. Um, now, you do, I notice, though, in your annual filing, you give among your risk factors um, the possibility that you could find yourself on the end of lawsuits from people who have been in some way involved in gun violence, and I know there have been a few cases recently, Walmart settled one a few months ago, um, relating to the sale of guns to people who then committed violent acts with them. What's your thinking on that? Do you think that, it, it, I mean, separating yourself, perhaps from, from, again, the day job of selling, in some cases, firearms and having sold them in the past, do you think that kind of uh, legislative change would be helpful, and do you think it's likely?
0: Um, I don't think it's likely, um, and so I, I, I hate to comment on hypotheticals, but hmm. based on on our legislative process today, I don't think it's likely that that will happen, um, and, uh, but we'll, we'll see. You never know. The, the political winds change from time to time.
1: Do you sense that there is any more effort to target retailers um, as in reprisal for acts of gun violence? Um,
0: we, we haven't seen that. I think that's more on the manufacturer side. But uh, we feel the whole the, the whole from a, a gun standpoint, we just think that we need to have these we need to have these reasonable gun legislation to, to, to protect people. It's part of a store we don't want to be involved in. So we're trying to limit our exposure as much as we can to this, uh, to this part of the business.
1: So to so a lot of the stuff that you're buying that originates in China is bought from someone who's already basically brought it into the country before you, Buy it so so it sounds like you're not often the the importer yourself you're the right we've got producer. about
0: we got roughly 15% of our business that are products that we own and uh, you know from an apparel standpoint there's only roughly 3% of our products that we buy directly that that we own that come from China
1: got it uh, so with the rest there's a kind of tug of war that takes place between the manufacturer and the and the right. your supplier and then you, and at some point, the idea is that someone eats that tariff and it's not clear who. Yeah, and we've got
0: purchase orders that are laid out for the next six months. And so we've got purchase orders at a price. We expect the, in, in a, had talks with the majority of our vendors and expect them to uh, honor the price that we made this purchase order at in, in, in uh, good faith. And I don't think, in the short term, we don't see any issue, nothing meaningful with us right now. It depends on how it affects the consumer going forward and their spending habits. Um, so the, the the it's moved around the world. Of course,
1: that has its own tariff issues. Yeah. Though yeah. Central America, do you think any of the, do you think any of it would go back to China if this trade war is resolved?
0: Um. I I I think each. I don't have enough information of what everybody else has done and how far along they are, um, as to what they would do. But uh, I, I think there's a possibility that that could happen.
1: So j- just to ask you a bit about retail generally, we we hear lots of bleak stories from the retail sector in the u.s and we've seen some very public bankruptcies of chains like toys r us like sears but then at the same time we see some retailers doing quite well do you think um when you look at the retail landscape as it is now you for example if you want to open new stores or you wanted to buy another retailer have to jump through various hoops to show that you're not creating a position of market dominance there's a fairly america has a fairly well-defined antitrust process that doesn't necessarily apply to some of your online Rivals. There's a lot of talk now about Amazon, for example, and whether there needs to be a tougher approach to regulating online retailers for competition purposes. How, do you feel like you're at a disadvantage as a real-world physical retailer competing against these companies that haven't yet fallen into the antitrust net?
0: Yeah, I, I, I feel that we have to compete in the market that's out there today. We can't sit back and complain about this or that. We have to say this is the this is the playing field. These are the rules. We need to go compete, and that's the way we look at it. And uh, I, I really do believe that competition makes you better. And uh, I think some of the competition that we have from an online standpoint, some competition we have from other brick and mortar retailers, it makes us better. And we keep a, we keep a close eye on the on the competitors, and we always try to find the thing that the competitors are doing better than us, and that forces us to try to be better. So. It it's the way of the world, it's not gonna change and, and we, we love to com- we love to get up and compete every day.
1: Cool. I have one other question for you, just one last question. Yeah. Um, so how is the American economy looking from Coropolis? I was I was looking at some um, some economic data on Pittsburgh recently and things are looking pretty good by a lot of measures. I think you've got the lowest unemployment in almost fifty years. Yeah. Um you know it looks like america is being made great again from from your part of the world what what do you think when you well, i think talk pittsburgh's to your doing very well the
0: the, the the leaders in pittsburgh have done a wonderful job transitioning from this this steel town from 50 years ago to a technology to a technology and medical center and banking center so um, pittsburgh is doing great we're really happy to be in pittsburgh and pittsburgh's been a great place to grow our business all, all these years
1: so if, if we fast forward a, a few, say, say you trial more of these uh, hunting-free stores and you find that the economics of them are attractive and it's good for sales, it's good for profit, and you then roll that out even further, you're now talking about one in six of your stores roughly, but I mean, you've raised the possibility, just as a hypothetical, that one day Dick's um, and Field and Stream, I guess as well, may not be selling firearms at all. Would you still want to be engaged in some of the advocacy and... and campaigning that you're doing now, or is that, do those two things go together?
0: Uh, they, they don't go together. So if, if we uh, so we talked about in our, our most recent call that we're in the process of doing a strategic overview of this entire business, including field and stream. So that leaves it pretty wide open as to what we're going to ultimately decide. Um, but even if we decided to, to, uh, to, to modify that business significantly, this is something that I really believe in, and I'm going to be involved in this, whether we're in the hunt business or not.
1: Thanks for listening to The Exchange, and thanks to our producer, Freddie Joyner. Don't forget you can find more episodes and read more of our views at www.breakingviews.com.